Welcome to ISO Chats Theology. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore Theological College, Sydney. During the COVID-19 isolation, I chatted with lots of my friends and colleagues here at Moore about theology, Christian life and ministry. It's the kind of discussion we'd normally have over morning tea, but the topics are highly relevant to life in a changing world. So I wanted to let you listen in. Enjoy. Welcome. It is great to see you and to have you join us today. Uh, I have a great privilege of welcoming Louise Cunningham today. Uh, Louise is uh, my co-chaplain here at Moore College. So as a lecturer here at college, uh, the lecturers we uh, are part of and run chaplaincy groups uh, where we pastorally care for and train and do mission with uh, a group of students. And we do it uh, not just as, as individuals, but as a team uh, of two. Normally there's a male and a female chaplain. Uh, and very often we invite those who are not directly on uh, full-time staff of Moore College to, to come onto the staff of Moore College as chaplains. Uh, and Louise is my co-chaplain. We've been working together for the last uh, just over a year. Uh, and it's been a wonderful privilege to have worked alongside Louise in pastorally caring for uh, and training and equipping uh, a number of students, uh, which, is, which has just been great. Uh, I've asked uh, Louise to uh, come and I'd just like to, I'm just having a chat with her really. Uh, and we're having a, a chat about a very serious uh, but important topic, and that is uh, domestic abuse. Uh, so welcome, Louise. Great to see you. Thanks, Lionel. It's great to be here, although it's not my favourite thing to do, being recorded, but uh, it's a, an important topic and I'm really happy to talk to you about it. And I love leading Chaplaincy Group with you too. So, yeah, That's thanks. Really good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and the, now, Louise, could you just tell us a little bit about where you are, uh, what do you do during the week slash weekend? What's your, what's, yeah, what, where are you and what do you do? Sure. So uh, I live in Emi Plains and I'm at church at Emi Plains. Roger Cunningham is my husband and he's the senior minister there. We've been here for 12 years. And uh, it's Emi Plains is at the foot of the Blue Mountains uh, and in Penrith. So um, Penrith uh, Police have the most domestic violence call-outs of anywhere in the state. Um, and so uh, it's a thing that's around, uh, whether that's because... If there's more domestic violence or people just call the police more about it, I don't know. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's around. So I'm also at college, like you said, uh, and I uh, am available and doing ministry with church. So chatting with people, um, reading the Bible with people uh, and, yeah, helping and caring for women at church mm. in all sorts of ways. Yeah, thanks, Louise. And that, that's Amy Plains Anglican Church. Uh, for those who uh, uh, are involved in other denominations, and re very, very welcome to, to everyone. Um, I'd like to ask you. Now, you, you mentioned that being involved in a church and uh, you, you know, involved in in many ways. Uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of domestic violence callouts, and so the reason that I'm speaking to you is because you have. Uh, a lot of experience uh, just on the ground in helping, assisting, caring for pastorally and practically in lots of different ways, uh, people, especially women, 
who have uh, experienced domestic abuse. Um, could you maybe, you know, without without giving you know things away that that are confidential or whatever, could you give us a, a feel for the kind of things that you've had that experience with? Yeah, sure. So uh, it's been something that has grown in my experience. So the, at the very beginning. Uh, I got an inkling that perhaps something wasn't quite right um, for somebody uh, and and started asking a few questions um, and things started, it became clearer that uh, she was being controlled by her husband um, and was very um, uh, reticent to do anything about that because she was being controlled and was therefore quite fearful. And so I did quite a lot of research and uh, investigating about what, to do, what not to do, how to care for um, her. And as I did that, I started noticing um, hints that other people were giving. Um, and also once uh, somebody saw somebody else being helped, they were thought they would give me a hint um, or hint to somebody else and they would come to me and ask for my advice on that. So it isn't, hasn't all been me. Um, there's been other people at church um, who people have opened up to a little bit. So generally what happens is people tend to uh, test the waters a bit, ask a little question or say, make a little statement, and if you respond safely um, to that, then they're more likely to, um, to open up a bit more and a bit more. Mm -hmm. And so it's frightening for them to do that because the risk for them is that I'll go charging in on a stallion and want to save them, um, which is what I'd love to do. I can't ride horses, but... Uh, you know, rescuing people would be great, but that's not actually what's needed or what's safe and it's not uh, not what is helpful for somebody in that circumstance. So um, there have been women who uh, Roger and I have been involved with going to uh, their home and uh, when they've been frightened and rung and asked us to turn up. Um, we've had the police involved a few times with people. There are other people uh, who in church who have talked to their um, small group leader who they've then come to me and said, what advice do I give? And they've managed it at all. Uh, and there are some who are still, you know, reticent and nervous and anxious about leaving. Um, and one of the things that I learned about helping people was that domestic abuse is about control. And so taking over control from the abuser just exacerbates the problem. It doesn't actually help. Mm -hmm. So I want to... Uh, give them control and and empower them to know that there are avenues and there are things and if they reach out and ask for help, that help is available. And I think that's one of the things that we want to say right at the beginning is that if you are in that circumstance, if you do feel unsafe um, or are unsafe um, or even unsure about it, you can actually do something about it. People are there to um, to help um, and there are things that you can do which we'll talk about. Yeah. yeah, maybe we could even say, th I mean, thank you very much. Maybe if we say right from the start, uh, maybe a, a number or, or a, a couple of numbers you could mention. For yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. So in New South Wales, uh, there's a domestic uh, abuse, domestic violence line. The number is, let me look down and read it because I don't want to get it wrong. It's 1800 And so I've found them to be tremendously, I've rung them quite a few times and asked for their advice. Uh, and and encouraging women to ring them themselves has been one of the uh, uh, really valuable things to do. 
Um, so that line is a great line. Uh, of course, triple zero if you're in danger. Uh, and there's also 1-800-RESPECT. Um, mm. They're helpful too. Mm, thank you. I, it's just good to get uh, that from, from the start. Uh, the reason that I wanted to talk about uh, this uh, now uh, with you is that uh, just in the last week or so, uh, we in Australia, as everyone knows, has, have gone into a situation where many, most of us are confined to our homes uh, because of the uh, restrictions imposed uh, to try to tackle the COVID-19 virus. Uh, and because of that, we are um, you know, in our homes in, in higher pressure situations. Uh, and uh, as the, the government, the federal government has recognised, uh, that uh, does lead to increased opportunities for uh, perpetrators, perpetrators of domestic abuse uh, and all sorts of uh, uh, problems. And so the federal government has, has given a, a lot of funding just recently uh, I think it was it was a, a billion dollars for, um, or over a billion dollars for uh, domestic abuse as well as mental health um, and, and that, uh, those those helps, uh, and that's good, uh, and I'm very glad that they've done it. Uh, but always we, as 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 you've uh, mentioned, uh, Louise, and uh, I, I think you agree that uh, as communities and particularly as churches. Uh, we have a role to play uh, in helping people. Uh, not that we're necessarily, you know, the, the expert counsellors, uh, but we are in contact with people and we are in a situation where we're caring pastorally uh, for people on the ground. And so we need to know and, and be equipped. Uh, now, part of the problem is, well, with this new situation, uh, what can we do as churches? Uh, that's the kind of question. Uh, because with a new situation, uh, we need to, to, to know, you know what, what are helpful things to do and what are helpful things not to do and what are not helpful things to do uh, in these kinds of situations. Uh, and I know that you've shared already with, with us here at College with our chaplaincy group and uh, um, with us about uh, what to do under what you call normal circumstances. Uh, and I wanted to chat with you. I know you've done um, some good thinking and you've, you've called around and you, you've, you've spoken to people about, well, what do we do? now under these circumstances. Uh, so uh, that's, I guess that's what I, what I want to ask you. What, in, in, under these new circumstances, um, what can we as churches, not just as pastors, but including pastors, but as, as church families do under these uh, circumstances to help uh, and to help keep people safe uh, under these circumstances? Yes, such an important question because mm. Things have changed and I think uh, for people who are living with someone who is controlling, uh, the opportunity for control is so much more. Uh, there's People aren't going out to work. They don't have that freedom. Uh, and so there's more opportunity to be listening in to phone calls, more opportunity to be aware of how many people are ringing um, and how, you know, and all of that. Uh, very often a perpetrator is trying to isolate a person and so... Uh, if they feel like that isolation isn't working, they can increase in their anger and that becomes more dangerous. So even some of the things are very, I think, counterintuitive for us because we want to um, make contact and check up with how things are going, but that actually can make it 
worse for somebody in, in many of these circumstances. Um, and so a lot of what we want to do is the same as we, we would normally do, but, it, but more, I think. So we, firstly, we need to be flexible normally. And so different people have different circumstances and have different needs uh, and different resources, um, different financial resources to them, uh, different uh, backgrounds that make it easier or harder for them to leave, all sorts of things. So we have to be very flexible anyway, but I think we need to be even more flexible uh, now. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we have to be careful um, and that's hugely important now. We have to be really careful that we're not exacerbating um, the situation for somebody. Mm. And we also need to be prepared uh, for when, when we do have the opportunity to help. Uh, it might only be a really brief, um, brief opportunity. So being prepared. So we can talk about all those things. Mm. And I think, I think the thing, just to say, in this circumstance, uh, something that a friend of mine told me this morning, she's read the legislation uh, about... Um, why you're allowed to leave your home and uh, so you're allowed to leave to go to the shops and to health appointments um, and leaving to escape domestic abuse is one of those things that is specifically mentioned and so it's really important for women to know that they are allowed to leave they're not going to get in trouble from the police for leaving uh, and the police want them to leave in fact, I actually rang my local police station yesterday and asked them, um, were there any changes because of the, uh, you know, were they less likely to go into someone's home because of uh, coronavirus? Were they less likely to intervene? And they said, absolutely not. Uh, they, they want to help and they're keen and they're there. And the biggest hindrance they find is, um, is women being too frightened to which is what abuse is about. So, um, so getting over that hurdle isn't actually a hurdle. The, mm. they're, they're willing to help if, uh, if they can help. So and thanks, Elise. Nothing's changed in that, so yeah. that's helpful. So uh, th- thank you very much. Uh, that, uh, that's very important. If I, say, ask uh, a, a, you know, a scenario, so say uh, I'm having some kind of uh, Skype conversation or, or, you know, Zoom or, or whatever it is or phone call uh, with uh, someone uh, and, I, and, and they, they say uh, to, to me or um, to my wife or whoever it is uh, that they are actually experiencing some kind of uh, domestic abuse. Uh, what, what should I do? What could I do? Uh, what... What advice might you give to me at that point? Actually, can I just pause? I've just realised that I want to ask another question before we start. What is domestic abuse first? And then we'll come back to that question. (laughs) For sure. Yep. What is domestic abuse? Well, domestic abuse is about control Mm -hmm. and it can happen in all sorts of different ways. So uh, there is the obvious physical abuse uh, and sexual abuse, but emotional abuse and financial abuse, um, controlling somebody's money, um, isolating someone, which is why this is a particularly difficult circumstance to be in. Uh, all of those things are also abuse, but it's about an ongoing um, controlling situation. Uh, yeah, so that's what, that's what we're talking about. 
Thank you. Uh, thanks very much. So say I, I then, um, you know, come to understand that someone is being overly or is being controlled in that ongoing way. Uh, what, what advice would you give to me under the current circumstances? Yeah, well, my first piece of advice would be to be careful before you, uh, if they bring it up, then, then you assume, you can assume probably that they're actually in a safe position to be able to talk. But if they haven't brought it up, you need to be very careful and in some sense suspicious that uh, the perpetrator might actually be there listening in. Um, and so you shouldn't ask the question uh, if, if you're at all concerned that that might actually put them in danger. Um, yeah, so that's the first thing to say. But if they say, uh, my husband's just gone for a walk around the block, it's terrible and, you know, I need help, um, the first thing to say is to check, uh, is she safe there, is the perpetrator there, and how long has he gone for, so how long have we got to talk? And then I think before you go into anything else is work out a way to hang up if he turns up that isn't going to put her in danger. Um, so I heard of someone who says um, to the person who speaks to her, she says, no, I don't want Avon, and hangs up. And then the person knows, don't ring back, it wasn't you just connected. It's that now it's no longer safe because she doesn't want Avon. Um, and again, flexible, you need to come up with things that are, are appropriate for the person you're talking to. Um, so being able to hang up safely, but then when you actually have the opportunity to talk, uh, you want to encourage them uh, that it is okay to get help and that there is help available um, and, um, and that they want to be able to leave and leave safely. So uh, one of the things, in a normal, regular, olden days circumstance, um, I encourage people to have a safety plan. Um, and even, uh, this is something that helps women uh, I've said to them, how about we work out a safety plan for you and you don't need to use it because usually they're not ready to use it and they're not ready to leave. But actually what it does is give them the hope uh, or the idea that maybe that is actually possible. So, so saying to them, uh, talking to them about what is a safety plan and how can they do that. So um, safety plans are things like having a bag packed in your car boot which has... Um, you know, a change of clothes, things for the kids, medications, uh, anything that they think that they might need, documentation uh, or, or copies of those things if it wouldn't be safe to take them out of the house to actually write down the numbers of your driver's licence or that kind of thing and have it somewhere safe. Um, I've had safety bags at my house in the past um, and people have said, oh, I'm going to leave it here because you told me I should, but I don't think I'm ever going to need it. And then six months later, they ring and say, I've just left and I need help. And I say, well, we've got all the stuff that you need, so it's going to be okay. Um, and so that's really helpful. So having that safety plan. Now, uh, I was talking to someone um, this morning, again, who said it might, you have to be much more flexible. So say I'm going for a walk um, and I know, I know that someone who uh, is in an abuse situation will walk around the block, um, take a kid for a walk or to the um, whatever, taking the dog for a walk. I might 
go for a walk and happen to meet her on the way and walk, you know, three metres behind her um, if she's on her own and say to her things like, what if the next time you come from a walk, uh, you chuck a couple of bras in your pocket and give them to me and the next time uh, a jumper and the next time something else so that she can build up something. So that's a more flexible uh, way of giving her the opportunity and, and that helps her think I'm not leaving and she's not making me leave and I don't have to leave even though I want to but I don't want to because it's scary. Mm. But then the more she does that, the more, um, and I'm saying she, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a she, the more she's actually going to be able to um, to f- be able to do it down the track. Mm. So safety planning is helpful. Mm. Um, one of the thing, uh, one of the things when someone leaves, um, if it's a perpetrator who's going to follow them, they will follow them to the most obvious places, uh, and so that would be uh, to the church minister's house, mm. or to um, or to their parents' home, or to the person who they know that they've been friends with. So if one person calls, you know, every few days, um, and then and that's, that's not someone who's suspicious, raising suspicion because it's a regular thing and they don't, the perpetrator is not um, threatened by that phone call. Um, and so you're able to ring and have these conversations and then she leaves. The person who's making those phone calls, that's the house that they're going to go and check first mm-hmm. um, as well as the minister or that might be the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, so having somewhere safe for them to go a hotel or whatever. There's another line, uh, a number, there's a, um, a helpline called Link to Home and they are particularly um, gearing up at the moment to help abuse victims who need to leave where a lot of the uh, refuges now are actually at half capacity to try to help social distancing, for example. Mm-hmm. So even that's harder. Um can I just say we'll, we'll put up a num- these numbers and, and links um, at, at the end uh, and, and probably at the beginning as well, I think, uh, so that people have got access to them. But thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Mm. So uh, safety plans are things like um, how they will let you know that they want to leave, how they will um, know having something ready, um, having the, the stuff that they need ready and that can be ready for months uh, and just and knowing that they can actually leave and it's safe to and telling them that they can ring triple o and the police will come um, or they can ring you and ask you to ring triple o because you're not suspicious you're not raising the suspicion of the other person but don't call the police unless uh, unless they're asking you to because again that could raise a suspicion um, but if there's physical abuse and children are involved and you call the police, they will intervene because children uh, are vulnerable people, as is, as is the, the mum. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so we, we need to uh, be thoughtful about that. But do some research. So I, you need to be prepared. Do some mm-hmm. research. What is helpful for them and how do I do it carefully and flexibly in this new circumstance, mm-hmm. I think is the... the that's, which is which is very helpful. The, the, the research that you do would be uh, to check out, I, I think, some of the, the links that we're going to put up at, at the end. So, 
Yep, you can do that. You could ring uh, Anglicare. They, mm. uh, they will give you advice. You could ring any of those other links that are there. Um, get online. Uh, uh, ring someone that you know has had some experience with this kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, ring one of the, we, the abuse hotlines and say to them, I need, I need advice so that I'm prepared. Mm. And that would be really helpful. Mm. No, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, to draw some of those threads together into a uh, into some some key points, and this is this I mean it's very helpful. It also resonates with with my own experience of um, helping those in domestic abuse situations, and some of the key principles are, and this 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 always applies. But uh, if the problem is that somebody is is really seeking to control um, the person, then the solution is not going to be you trying to control them, but the solution is actually going to be trying to help them to see their options more clearly so that they have control and they can make choices about options. Is that, is that a fair summary? That's, ex- of, yep. that's exactly right. Really yep. helpful summary. Yep. Yep. Uh, secondly, under these new circumstances, uh, the danger can actually be increased by our contact. And so we need to be very careful not to not to not contact, but to be highly um, suspicious of of or at least the possibility, always open to the possibility that our contact is being monitored by a person who's trying to control the person that we're speaking to, uh, and so that just makes it difficult, but not impossible. Just just more difficult. Uh, that's the second thing, uh, and thirdly. Uh, really be open to, uh, no, what, what am I trying to say? Um, help, be, be help under these current circumstances, helping people to see that uh, their options haven't been closed down by the COVID-19 uh, restrictions, uh, that even though there are restrictions, they're not actually closing down their options to be able to leave. The options are still there. Uh, they just may be slightly different, uh, but options are, are still there. Uh, and so if they're being told that they don't have any option uh, by someone who's trying to control them, then uh, to, to help them to see that they do have an option is, is helpful. Yes, I actually think, interestingly, it's not harder for somebody to leave mm. now than it was before, but mm. it is harder for us to help someone Mm. Um, to leave so we're the ones we we actually need to be more careful more flexible um, better prepared uh, because the opportunities might come when we're not expecting it mm. uh, and be less frequent but for the, the but uh, for a person who is wanting to leave uh, there are things that are available you're exactly right that the, the mm. police are still um, there to help there are still places where we can um, they can be put into hotels, um, a hotel or a motel, that, that kind of thing can still happen. There are things that we can do. It hasn't changed. Uh, the need for them to leave, our desire for them to leave and the ability for them to leave safely, those things haven't changed. Mm. Um, it's still, there still is risk in leaving and there still is those difficulties, but those things are the same now as they were before. The difference, I think, is in how we have to manage our own needs and wants to actually jump in and help. Yes. So I'm thinking about someone in particular who I feel very concerned for 
and I know that she knows that I'm available and I will help at any moment. But I also know that the more I contact her, um, that I need to be, I need to be careful with how often I do that and in what way that I do that mm. so that I'm not making her circumstance at home more unsafe. Mm. Um, but also I don't want her to think that I've disappeared. Mm. And so um, we have had the kind of conversation about you, things haven't changed. You can mm. still leave and it's still safe um, to do that uh, as safe as it um, I've actually said it's safe. I've said it's as safe to leave now as it was then. Mm, mm, yes, um, that hasn't changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and thank you. And maybe just something that came to mind, just to, just to clarify, if there are other vulnerable people involved, if we uh, believe that um, children are at, at significant risk of abuse, uh, what I, I just I just want to clarify what your advice would be there, because that's that's uh, an extra dimension to all of this. Again, my advice would be the same thing, to mm. ring one of the helplines and ask for their advice mm, or ring yes. the local police and ask for their advice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because we're not, um, we're not domestic abuse specialists. Mm. We're just people who care. Mm. And I'm not speaking out of um, having any formal training in this. I'm speaking out of having it in front of me and wanting to help. Mm. Um, and so researching and, and ringing those things. Mm. So, Yeah. Yep, and that's that's important uh, for us to know that we have an important role as churches, as Christians, uh, as Christian ministers, pastors. Uh, but that role is not to be the expert. The role is to be the, the person who is in contact and uh, and seeking to care on the ground at, at that point. Um, that's that's helpful for sure. And the other thing, of course, which uh, needs to be said and goes without saying, is that actually God is in control mm. and he cares for them and he does know every second of every day what is happening for them and we can pray for them and should pray for them and ask God to intervene for them mm. and he may or may not use us. Mm. Uh, and he is God and will be God and we can trust that uh, for him to work in the world in the way that he will. So mm. it's not actually our job to fix things, it's our job to be available and an honour, really, mm. to be used by God. That's, mm. I consider it a massive privilege when, when women share hugely vulnerable, frightening, scary things um, that, mm. that they made themselves vulnerable to me. Uh, that's a massive privilege and that hasn't changed. Mm. That's, I, I resonate with that uh, in a big way that, uh, you know, I think the thing that uh, myself and my wife have done the most is we have uh, walked alongside and, and spent time with people who are suffering from domestic abuse, but for whatever reason, um, it won't leave or that, you know, that they've decided not to. Uh, and we can feel helpless, but coming before God in prayer, knowing that God is the one who cares and will work these things out is something that we can do while continuing to seek uh, to, to help as much as we can. Uh, and then not, not, yeah, it is, because it's heartbreaking, isn't it? When uh, you're seeking to help someone uh, and that, that uh, abuse is continuing, uh, that, that control is continuing. Uh, are there other other things that that you you thought would be helpful? You've you've been speaking to to some experts. You know, you've been calling some helplines just just recently uh, because you've been wanting to to check things and 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 uh, 
um, want, wanting to work these things out. What, are there other, other helpful things that you might like to, to say to us? Um, not really. I actually think being flexible, being careful, being prepared, uh, things for them they're still able to leave. We just need to be more careful with how we help them do that. That's really mm. what it's about. And ask for advice. Mm. Uh, yep. Don't go it alone and, um, and don't stop praying for people and mm. caring for them mm. because we should always be doing that. Yep. Yep. And, and, and let me uh, affirm that the, the problem of domestic abuse is not limited uh, to one particular group in society. Uh, it is sadly prevalent and, and has been for, um, well, for, for as long as we've been uh, human beings since, since the fall. Uh, and that does mean that if you're in a situation uh, of seeking to be controlled by someone, uh, then it, it, th there is help available and that person may be someone who might be very respected in society or in the church, maybe a pastor of a church, maybe uh, a leader in a church or maybe a leader in, in society. Um, this applies to you as much as, much as it applies to, uh, to anyone. Uh, and uh, in, in fact, the, uh, the thing that now no longer surprises me is the mm. people who, uh, who I find out have, have been perpetrators mm. are, are surprising. Mm. They're not the people that you would expect because mm. they control not just the person they're abusing, but they control all the other people who are around, including me, mm. um, in how I perceive them and think of them. So um, you can never just assume that, that everything is fine, mm. um, although you don't have to be suspicious of every person. Yeah. But it's when you, when you get some kind of hint, don't think, oh, that couldn't be happening because he's the minister of the church or don't mm. think that couldn't happen because they are what, whoever or whatever. Um, mm. it, it is across all walks of society and, and is around. Mm. And it's not everybody. There are plenty of husbands who are great. My husband is great. Um, you're a great husband, as far as I know. <laughs> you are a great husband. Um, so, yeah, it's not everywhere all the time, but it is around and we do need to be, be prepared and, and care for people. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, and to, 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 to continue to just, just say before we finish up that, uh, we've been speaking about a particular area of, uh, of sin and uh, the way that, that it deeply affects relationships. Sin is something that the Bible does teach that sin is in the heart of all of us in different ways. Uh, and each one of us actually needs Jesus and needs the grace that is in Jesus uh, for forgiveness uh, and for everlasting life. Uh, but we've been speaking today about a particular kind of uh, deep-seated sin that does need to be dealt with for the safety of others. Uh, and that is that, that controlling uh, behaviour. Uh, so that's what we're speaking about. But of course, uh, let's keep remembering that each one of us uh, in, in different ways is subject to sin and needs uh, that grace and that forgiveness, which is freely available in Jesus. And we can come to our Heavenly Father uh, for that. Uh, and I want to say, even, even if you are someone who has recognised that you yourself are displaying this, this controlling behavior uh, that will stop it, do stop it. Uh, but there is help available for you as well. Uh, and uh, there is even um, that it, it, you need to repent, you need to, to change, 
uh, there is forgiveness available too. Uh, but we do want to make sure that people are safe uh, in our church communities and in our community. And at this particular time, we really do need to be praying uh, and asking our Heavenly Father to have mercy on our, on our nation, on our communities, on our world uh, in, in these situations. Uh, so thanks very much, Louise. Uh, that's uh, really helpful. Thanks, Lionel. It's been really important to talk about and I really, mm. uh, yeah, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Mm. So yeah. thanks. Thank you. We'll, we'll put up um, now those, uh, th those numbers and uh, websites and contact details that we've been speaking about. Thanks, Louise. You've been listening to ISOChats Theology. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore Theological College, Sydney. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing us and please review and rate the podcast on your favourite podcast platform so others get to hear about it too. Video versions are available on YouTube or on my website at lionelwindsor.net. You might also like to check out another podcast I've created called Lift Your Eyes, a series of 70 reflections on Ephesians. And by the way, the name for this podcast was created by Adelaide Windsor. The theme music was written and performed by me and Harry Windsor, and the cover art was designed by Ellie Windsor. Love their work. Thanks for listening.